is Connecticut nice? How how close is you guys? How close is Hartford to Boston? By train, it's like I don't know, three hours on the Amtrak, and then by if you're driving like oh, okay. I thought it was close. Okay, like why did you guys come to the races? Let's Dude, it, you know, oh God, I want we were gonna go to BU, but the thing is, like, we had this massive like we had this school dance thing, and then I had like oh, go ahead prom. You know, it wasn't prom. I don't even know how to describe it because what it was on like the races were on Friday, right, for the men? Yeah. Wait. Oh yeah, we we missed the entry deadline because we were gonna do the three K as like as like unattached, but we missed the deadline. And then it was gonna be like a hundred per person per entry, and it was just it was just wasn't worth it at that point. Damn. Oh, and sadly, ended up missing you know some of the greatest performances in BU tier <laughs> history, but you know sucks to suck. Yard beat me by fourteen seconds. Yo, yards that dude. If this is recording, yards that dude though. Yards that dude. That guy. Wait, so are you guys at the same crib or is this like a different? No, no, no. He's he's on the town right now. I'm I'm recovering. He's on the town. Okay. okay. <laughs> that is not true. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. Are the bars popping right now, Dylan? Or... Oh yeah, they're going crazy. <laughs> I'm, going to I'm actually at his house, but okay, we'll get it rolling. Welcome back to the Run Fast Podcast. We have two two more stellar guests of podcasting, of distance running, of college sports. Um, we have Yasin Abdallah and Dylan Jacobs of Tennessee distance running, track and field cross country. Um, you know, we've been back on the podcasting lately, just came off the Lex and Leo Young episode, which was a huge boost, huge boost of confidence to the podcast. Really appreciative of those guys and really appreciative of these guys to take the time and come on and take time out of their busy lives to, you know, have a conversation and to hear their stories. We'll get it rolling just with some introductions. We'll start with Dylan. We'll move to Yasin. Maybe you guys want to introduce yourselves, where, you, where you're from, like why you run, how you got into running, a little bit about that. We'll start with Dylan, then we'll move to Yasin. Yeah. So I'm Dylan Jacobs. I'm from just outside Chicago, South Suburb, Orland Park to be exact. I went to Carl Sandburg High School. Um, so when I was younger, I played a bunch of different sports. I was into like soccer, uh, baseball, basketball. But I decided to quit soccer when I was in seventh grade. And my mom was like, well, you have to do something in the fall because in the winter is basketball, summer baseball um, and spring baseball, too. So in the fall, I had to do some. So cross country was kind of like the one option. Uh, my gym teacher there, who was also the cross country coach in, in eighth grade, uh, was really going hard on getting me out, too. Um, and once I kind of went out, the high school coach, which Carl Sandberg is a pretty well-known high school program. We had a lot of su- success when I was in high school. Um, I was very fortunate to come in. Uh, with two classes above me, it was one of the best classes, um, probably of their uh, like year, their age range. And I was fortunate to come in with a great coach who kind of understood running and a bunch of great teammates who also understood and tried to push each other and do the right things outside of the sport that makes you get better and better. Um, so, yeah, after that, uh, I had a pretty a solid high school career and then was able to go run at Notre Dame and now here at Tennessee. Uh, I'm Yasin Abdullah. I was lived in Maryland, Utah, and then all of high school I was in Texas. Um, I started running as a sophomore, and I wasn't very good off the bat, but my dad was like really pushing for me to run, so I kept running. And then I was able to walk on in Texas after getting third uh, in cross my senior year. And then I was hurt my freshman year at Texas. Sophomore year, I was like mediocre. I went to Kenya after sophomore year, trained really hard, and then I got All-American junior year won the DMR uh, and blue chunks outdoor, but forget about that. And then after that, I transferred to Tennessee and now I'm here. Yeah. Shorter story. I had a really good high school coach too. I really enjoyed our program in high school, Paul Carroza. I shouted him out after the DMR. 
but yeah. Sweet, sweet. And so just a bit earlier before the introductions, we were talking about BU. And I mean, this episode actually comes at perfect timing after that meet, being that both of you ran, to say the least, historic times in college history, in NCAA history, in Tennessee school history. Um, Dylan, you ran 13-11 for 5K. And just to no- note a few of the huge accolades that you gained from that, that's a school record, SEC record, NCAA number three all-time. That's an American collegiate record, a 2023 NCAA current indoor 5K lead, and that earned you SEC runner of the week. And so Yassine, you ran 742 for 3K. Holy smokes, that's a school record. Um, Sudanese national record, number two in SEC history, and number six in NCAA history. And so those performances obviously will go down as some of the best and some of your, some of your best memories, I'd assume, from your time in college and at Tennessee. Um, can we kind of get that race breakdown and what the preparation was like going into those races and what your expectations were as to like strategy or how you think the race would have played out before you actually towed the starting line? For me, kind of the race went kind of unexpected from what I was, we were all like thinking that was going to happen. We were expecting it to go out like 13-10 pace. Um, and I was kind of with the realization that I just kind of roll with the pack. In a, in a race like that, you want to just get in and not do too much work. Just uh, roll with what everyone else is doing and then be ready for the kick, kind of when everyone starts to drop it with like a K left or so. And it just went out way hotter than we were expecting. And I looked at the mile mark and it was like 410. I was like, ah, oh, that's a little fast. At the two mile, I saw it was like 820, and I was like, oh, this is really fast. Um, so at that point, my whole thought process is just kind of stick on. I was behind Klecker at that point. I was like, stick on Klecker as long as I can. And then when it comes down to a mile left, I just have to give whatever I got. Like, uh, I knew a fast time was probably going to come from going to Boston, and I was prepared to, like, go hurt. Everyone says Boston, it's a fast track and everything, but the pain is still the same as any other race. So I was definitely ready and prepared to to go hurt during it. And once I dropped off a of clicker for a little bit, uh, yeah, there were definitely some some tough thoughts going through my head. But uh, in the last 600, it was definitely just about getting to the finish line and um, realizing what I was able to accomplish after the fact was kind of awesome. At first, I was a little upset with how I fell off, but looking back on it, you know, there's a lot to be proud of, a lot to um, look forward to also coming off that performance. So. Yeah, it definitely went unexpected, but a lot of good things that came out of it that I'm now looking forward to for, like, the national meet. Yeah, for our for my 3K, I knew Yard was going to be in it. A lot of the on guys were trying to go. I think the pace was going to be 4.05 or 6 or the mile is what they said originally, like, a week out. And then the day before, we hear they want to go 4.02. And then once a pacer, like, the BU pacers are not, like, pro pacers. They're just – I don't even know where they get them. Sometimes, like <laughs> – so you, they're not like, you can't bank on them. So once a pacer here is 402, they get nervous. We knew it'd go faster. So Carlson told me to go out 405 high. And I'm pretty good at feeling that kind of thing out. So we thought I'd be in like seventh or sixth through the mile. But I ended up in like 10th. But I went 405 high through, which is already a little bit aggressive. But the front pack went, I think, 401, which would have been suicide pace for me. So my race went perfect exactly how I wanted to. Like not as much for competing, but... I had some other goals, but the minimum goal was to get a national mark because I've never qualified individually. But I uh, managed to do that, and that's all that matters right now. Training was going super well. Um, like, Dylan's better than me, but in workouts, it doesn't show as much, so we just do everything together. <laughs> I've been feeling very good about that stuff, but yeah, going into it, I was 
you know, man just ran the number six or seven all time, whatever it is now, and trying to say that. <laughs> nah, he's he hey, don't let it don't let that uh distract you now. He, he's good as hell. He's good as hell. In, in practice, he's always he, we're always shit talking to each other, talking mad, like talking mad, like <laughs> you know, coming off such a good race, um, particularly like immediately after when you cross that finish line, what's like going through your mind, you, you know. You probably don't know. You've just set all these records and whatnot, but um, you know you just run this incredible race. So what's going through your mind? You see, you got that. You got that. For mine, I mean, my first thought is always I could have gone faster after a good race. I always think I should have done blah blah blah. I could have gone faster. After a bad race, I'm like Charlie Brown doing the sad walk. Like it's different. But after a good race, <laughs> I run faster. Damn. After after that race, I was like, I was dead on the track. I like fell over. I was laying there for a second, and I was like, dang, what just happened? It was like an out-of-body experience for a second. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, seeing There's always, like, the thought right after that you're like, oh, what if I did this at, like, a K to go or, like, 600 to go? Like, did I have an extra gear? And you always think you had an extra gear after the race, but during it. Always, always. If it was like a nine <laughs> effort, it, like, it fades with time. So 30 yeah. minutes after the race, I'm like, yeah, that was a nine. I couldn't have done more. The next day, I'm like. It was a seven. Like, honestly, was it that bad? But right now, I'm thinking I was jogging the whole thing. I wasn't jogging. I was <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't consider 742 a jog by any means, but, you know, that might be just me. <laughs> but um, going back a little bit into – going back in the timeline a little bit, when we're talking about the transfer portal here, for Dylan, I believe you graduated from Notre Dame, so you had that extra year of eligibility. Yassine, it might have been a different situation for you at Texas, being that you wanted to transfer into a new program and see a new kind of sort of coaching philosophy. Can you guys each talk about your experience with the transfer portal and what led you to Tennessee ultimately? Yeah, you see, you go first. Mine will be a little shorter, I think. No, you go first. Mine's longest. Longest. <laughs> so for me, um, once I found out Carlson was leaving, my like decision was to either then like go pro or kind of go with him to Tennessee. I wasn't really thinking about staying at Notre Dame. Um, it's kind of just like. No disrespect to anyone at Notre Dame. I mean, obviously, those coaches there are still great, and I love all my teammates and everything. But um, I really thought that under Carlson's training, I still had a lot of room to grow. And um, if I wasn't going to make the next step in, like, uh, my career with running, then I wanted to kind of go with Carlson to Tennessee and, and see what, what I could do this year. So for me, it was, it was a pretty easy decision. Once I uh, hit the portal – and I visited, and I, I mean, I loved everyone on the team. They were super supportive of, like, a new coaching staff, new people coming in. That, like, their main goal was just getting better, making the national meet, and doing stuff at the national meet. And um, I definitely vibed with that that mindset. So, for me, it was, yeah, it was a pretty quick decision, pretty easy process. For me, Texas, I mean, I won the DMR there. Like, it was awesome to be on the team. Like, We, we, we won the <laughs> – I – we won the DMR there. <laughs> Oh my God, bro. That looks bad. That looks bad. Like, I was put on the winning DMR there. And it was awesome that they trusted me with that. That's what I said in the interview, I think, right after. But I think I was fourth or fifth best miler on paper. So it could have been a lot of other people, but they trusted me. We got it done. And so I, that was awesome. Like, I enjoyed my last year at Texas, but like, the program's very sprint focused. And I knew Watson was going to leave, like, we all suspicions. And I didn't really, um, want to stay um so i entered the portal and i didn't know where i wanted to go but carlson's a very aggressive recruiter he's a very good recruiter so when i was in the portal he'd call me call me call me call me and i wanted to go somewhere where uh the coach would be invested in me and where i wouldn't be the best and like places like osu or 
Stanford or whatever. You're just another guy in the, you're like another bullet in the gun. And Dylan's better than me. So that checked all the boxes. And yeah, the portal was kind of like turbulent for me because I planned on sitting out cross because I had four classes left for my degree. But uh, I talked with Carlson and we figured out like I could race for them and be dual enrolled and um, be dual enrolled and like live in Texas and just train alone. So I ended up doing that all across country season from like August to December. I was just training on the treadmill, doing all my work on the treadmill in Austin, uh, flying out for races and then seeing the team like once every two weeks or something on the weekend and then flying back. Just kind of ass, but I'm done with that now. Now I'm just full-time in Tennessee. Um, when, when you're looking at schools and you just talked about Coach Carlson, like his um, recruiting and, you know, the team goal of making it to, this, uh, to the national meet, how, how do you differentiate between, between you know, coaching philosophies um, and also how do you, like, find what you like and sort of mesh with the coach, yeah? It's, it's definitely kind of person-to-person, I would say. Um, for me, I kind of like more of a hard-nosed guy who, like, if you mess up, have a bad race – they kind of tell you that and it's not like, Oh, it'll be like, all right, like you'll do better next time. I kind of like, this is where you messed up. This is where like we need to do this in training or we need to like relax in training and be smarter. Um, I really, I, I like a coach who's focused on the end of the season more than just hitting fast times and everything. Uh, and that's kind of what Carlson is. He's more about being ready at the end of the year. So at the national beat, we're running our best. And um, I definitely just kind of vibe with the mindset. And I'm a big believer in if you trust the philosophy and you trust the culture of the team, then you're probably going to thrive. And I feel like over my past five years with him, that's really uh, worked. But I think a big piece of it is the team culture aspect of it. So, like, he can, like, try to set the precedent and everything. but And he does a great job with it. But then the team has to, like, completely buy into that also. And I noticed that at Notre Dame and here at Tennessee now where – Everyone's bought into the process of getting better, uh, doing everything outside of uh, practice or races to, to get yourself better and showing up, um, trying to do something special, you know, not just kind of be another uh, distance runner in college. We're trying to build something special with this program, and I know uh, we see that with the type of recruits we're getting now, too. So that, that's kind of what I love about Carlson and uh, what I love about the program. I've always, just because of, how bad I was before I've had to have more of like a focus on just straight improving. So I just wanted to look at the inputs and outputs of the coaches, but Carlson has had like lots of good recruits and made them better. A lot of times you'll see guys get blue chip recruits and they can't hold their national ranking or like get better at all. They just drop and get worse. But with Carlson, he's had a lot of success with that. And that was very important to me when looking at him, but yeah, I don't really, I never really looked for culture. I just got lucky, like the Tennessee team does have really good culture right now. Carlson's doing a very good job with that. Um, but that was just luck. Like I was just trying to find a good coach. Totally understandable. And so kind of reflecting on the, that, that time when you were doing rolled at Texas and then also doing those, those hundreds of miles on the treadmill, I'd assume. Talk about the kind of the discerning between like what the coach expected of you and what you expected of yourself in terms of that time that you're spending alone, you seen like, if you're on that treadmill, like obviously someone has to write the workouts and someone's giving telling you what to do, but to some extent you have to take advantage as to like taking the time to do what you need to do and get done the work, like get the running done. And so how did you hold yourself accountable when you had no one else around you to sort of um, push you or keep you moving? 
for me, it's like, that's the easy part of running, just going to run. I've never had problems with like motivation or like mental slumps, but it's like Carlson would always be there if I needed to talk to him. Not that I did a bunch and it was very, very, like I'd always have the workout like two days in advance. So it's not like I'd be sitting there on a Friday, like having to text him about workouts that made it easier. Yeah. yeah and I like the treadmill. So honestly, having, <laughs> I go, like I, one of my friends, apartment gyms is where I did every workout. They have a really good treadmill. goes 345 mile pace. The same place every day, twice a day, um, made it doable. I didn't have to go different places, but yeah, it honestly wasn't that bad. And you see, it actually ran a 345 mile on that treadmill, just like there was no video <laughs> no of cameras, it. No cameras, though. No FAT, nothing. <laughs> is there like so, is there like a secret sauce to passing the time on the treadmill? Because like I, we've been on the treadmill a lot, just because it's been freezing, like freezing cold up in the Northeast. So do you have like a secret sauce? Is it Netflix? Is it a podcast? Is it something else that you kind of use to pass the time? It takes like two months-ish, but you get used to it. And also you want to run on a good treadmill. Like if I'm running on some bum treadmill in the middle of nowhere, it'll feel horrible <laughs> to me too. But like pre-core treadmills, those those are gas. Woodways, if they're calibrated right, those are okay. But yeah, if you have the right treadmill, it makes it easier. And then it takes like two months to get used to it. So you just have to stick, it, stick through that. Oof. All right. And then, so talking a little bit about racing, going off of the, what we talked about with respect to BU, obviously there's the good days, there's the good races, like what happened at BU, the, the, the records, the SEC runners of the week, the accolades and all that. But with that comes the bad days and the bad races. And obviously as college runners at the top of, at the top of your sort of level of competition, you've had bad days, like plenty of them, I'd assume. How do you reflect on those? How do you sort of approach those days knowing that you know, hey, I like I messed up, but I'm gonna go forward with this. Like, how do you sort of reflect on them and, and learn from those bad races and bad experiences? Yeah, I think me and Yassine probably actually are a little different on this. What we do like after bad races, for me, I kind of just kind of I I relax and I, I kind of think of everything as it happened. But there's probably a reason it happened in like training where I might have messed up or something, or I went a little too hard. So one of my biggest things is to like actually do less in workouts do maybe do less in mileage because I, I might be a little buried or something um so yeah my main focus is always like do less try to try to reset yourself uh mentally physically a little bit and then get ready for like what, whatever's up next but i think the biggest thing for me and for most people i would say is the physical piece they're not trying to lose confidence after a bad race if you lose confidence i mean you're shooting yourself in the foot for the rest of the season and everything. So that um, that's my main focus every time. Still believe in yourself, still trust in yourself, and then good things will eventually come. For me, it's been a lot of, like, people on the team have a lot more experience at a high level than me. And they've been telling me, like, stuff like that about not losing confidence and switching something up when something goes wrong. But for me, like, I went 755 in December, and, like, I was in the lab trying to figure out what went wrong after that. Like, I was looking through every workout for the last year, calling Carlson, it was this, it was this, it was this. And I do have that problem where, like, I went 75 in the race before that. I got 33rd at Nationals, which, like, isn't horrible, but I was seated top 10. I was seated 17th or, like, higher. So, like, two races in a row going into this weekend, like, I maybe would have been able to have the confidence to go with the faster pace, but I was so scared. Like, it was bad. That doesn't happen often. You want to have confidence and yeah, you got to get to the point where it's in you, whether or not your last race was bad. Yeah. And so how big does the mental factor play in approaching a race, especially like a big one, like a national race, like it was at Stillwater during the fall? I'll go. Yeah. I think we have completely different takes and they've been trying 
so hard to get me to stop believing this, but I feel like mentally, like the, I always think the mental only matters in how it exhibits itself in your training. Like if I don't believe in myself, I'll end up missing runs. And I think that's where it stops. Like if I, cause I've always been nervous going to big races. Like I was super nervous for the 742. I was nervous for the DMR. I was nervous before um, Big Toes Outdoor, I had a good race there. But I've always been super nervous, like unconfident. And then I start running and it feels incredible. But they're big on, you need to like go in with like confidence and then you'll run well. But me, it's always been like, I'll run well, even if I, I'm not that confident. Yeah, for me, I guess when I was younger, I used to be way more nervous. Um, I remember my freshman year when I was lining up for the DMR, I looked to my right and I saw like, uh, Morgan McDonald for the first DMR I ever ran and this after he like won cross and everything and I was like damn bro like <laughs> I'm about to get cooked uh, but no now I feel like as I've done it kind of more often and been around very successful people like a yard and a goose for example um, I've kind of just seen how they are and how they like approach these races and it's just very very relaxed because at the end of the day like as long as you put forth the effort that um like is expected of you whatever happens happens you know like you're probably fit so good things are probably going to happen but if not i mean it just like wasn't meant on that day and you got to kind of just move forward with it because otherwise you'll just be hanging out to like a bad racer at a big national meet for way too long so i'm i'm big on just kind of doing the same thing i always do and um yeah just really trusting trusting your training and everything because um it, it it usually plays out to where with Carlson you're ready when it when it matters. I want to talk about the the like atmosphere of the race and you know what from the moment the gong goes off to the moment you cross the finish line you know what's going on in your head are you hearing the crowd are you hearing um, are you just hearing yourself tell yourself got to execute the plan what's that like in the atmosphere in the races? I feel like that's when we're we're both the same like once the gun goes off it's business no matter like whether I was nervous before. Or, that was like in my bag before once the gun goes off like like my goal is to win my goal is to do whatever i came out to do yeah i uh i'm big on like just executing the plan early to get into like the spot i want to be in and once i'm there it's kind of just like real i don't know i i always have like a song stuck in my head that i listen <laughs> oh, yeah. and there's like a little piece of the song that just plays over and over and i just really hope it's like a song with a slow beat because otherwise i'll be breathing too fast or something so I'm like, <laughs> I never really know what, what's what I'm gonna be thinking, but I'm I'm usually just like having conversations with myself or looking over at Carlson and being like, God damn, this hurts. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. It's always kind of random, but once you're in the race, you're kind of just in the race and you're just kind of ready to roll. Yeah, is there a favorite song you've got going through your head whenever you're racing? Is there like a favorite song that comes on? You're like, like let's go! Like it's this song that's in my head. <laughs> see i'm i'm weird i think i listen to like a lot of like country type music before races and um i'm not big into the, just like the extreme rap before so i guess it's i'm, I'm not naming any names because i'm gonna get clowned for it so <laughs> you're seeing you're not in your head do you have a take on that bro is country country music is so dog water they listen to that shit all the time man i have to cover my ears in the car man it's crazy but I don't, I don't have a song in my head. I've always tried to do that, like get a song and stuck in my head to get hyped or something. But I don't know. I just like when I'm running, I'm like, I don't really think at all. Dude, it's I just like, like it's like a line of a song. It's not even the song. It's just like loops four words that you have over and over, and you like just have the beat going. It's actually wild. wild. <laughs> no, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> exactly. I, feel yeah. that. I don't feel that at all.
<laughs> okay, so going back to the earlier days of each of your running careers, both of you, it's actually pretty interesting. Now that you've, you've reached a really similar level of your sort of skill in running, so to speak, you both have come from like pretty different sort of experiences. Dylan, I'd say you were pretty blue chip in terms of like you were the 2017 full locker cross country champion. You were like that guy in high school, so to speak. Yassine had sort of had the opposite experience. Um, on your YouTube channel, people have seen that before. You said in, in your most recent video that like, hey, I was, I was in the crowd watching Dylan finish at that exact same race. And so coming from each of your different experiences, can you talk about how like high school and previous experiences of running have shaped how you are as a runner today? and how you kind of go about running? I guess coming from like the background I was, I kind of had some high expectations for myself coming into college. Um, and it took probably like a year or two for me to really understand that college isn't like high school. Um, no matter how good you are or like where you came from, uh, the NCAA is just like a whole different beast. So it doesn't really, there's like a ton of great runners who come out of high school that don't find that much success in college and a ton of guys who weren't like necessarily at that level in high school who are then incredible in college. Um, and for me, it was really just understanding that you kind of have to do all the little things right in college. There's so many distractions that can get you, whether it's like going out with friends or like um, not getting enough sleep because you have exams coming up or like whatever it may be. There's so many distractions and it's really more about like discipline in college than it ever was in high school. You really have to, uh, stick to like your training, be able to put in the work, put in the miles. It's going to be a lot, no matter what, no matter who you are. Um, and yeah, I guess if I was tell, like telling a high schooler or like trying to tell myself when I was younger, coming into college, what I would recommend, it's really just like show that work ethic early on and kind of stick to that with your mentality. Cause there's so many people who I see who have like talent that you wouldn't believe in college and it never like fully lives out or like pans out because they're not like completely bought into their sport. It's like you get four or five years if you're lucky in college to do this and you really don't want to waste it because you have the rest of your life to kind of live out the normal life that you want to. And this is the time to kind of become the best at who you are at, uh, at running. Yeah. For me coming from being worse, I never thought of myself as like, I was always in a, the right bubble. So when I was a sophomore, I was competing against the guys at my school and as a junior, the guys on my club team, senior, the guys in my state. So I never got overwhelmed thinking like, yeah, I was watching, I was watching Dylan win Foot Locker and stuff, but I was never like, oh God, I have to compete with a guy like that. I was still thinking on the local level. So I always had fun with it. Our high school coach, Paul Carosa, was like, we were never did more than like 40 or 50 in high school, like no long ones or anything. So I think that's why, like Dylan was saying, in college, it's, there's way more put on you. The, the discipline. <laughs> that is needed. I think I've always been good at that. Like I said earlier, like running remote basically last semester wasn't a big deal for me. So I think when, when the challenge is less talent and more who's going to show up, I've never had a problem with that. That's why I, th I think I've gotten so much better in college. I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of your YouTube channel. You've seen, I've, I've been following it for a little bit now. And like when I watched, I think you dropped the, how to like the, how to be better video. Wasn't that during spring break? I think, or winter break, I think. And I was watching that. I was both like in tears of laughter and also like, holy shit, like this guy is like inspiring. And I brought, I brought that up with Lex and Leo on our last podcast. Um, and they, had, they thought that was inspirational, like what you had to do to get to where you are now. They were like, holy crap, like that is 
some of the craziest things I've, ever, I've heard. Like, they were surprised you didn't get injured. They were surprised about a lot of things about your story, but it's kind of amazing to see how you pulled through. Can you talk about like, like what decisions you had to make in your head or like what sacrifices you had to make in high school to get to where you are now? Because obviously there's a lot of kids who will see in high school, especially who will see your transformation and be like, hey, like I was once at his level in high school, but how can I get to where he is now? I think recently, like as a freshman and sophomore, I was always like, I just worked harder than everyone else, blah, blah, blah. Like you could do it too. Like stop, like when people would say I'm talented. But now I've realized like, I think like Dylan just gets quick off of like any workout. But for me, like I don't get hurt at all. Knock on wood. Like that's an advantage I have. And I can handle really high miles and stuff. And I'm like super disciplined, like with no effort just for running. So stuff like that. I can't just tell people do high mileage, show up, stuff like that is not going to be as easy for other people. I think I've realized recently that those are things you, that I've been blessed with because before I would just say like, you need to come up with a plan, stick to it never miss a day. And that's just not realistic for like 16, 15 year old kids. One of the biggest things was, like I said before, I never thought I was going to get here 742 or whatever. I was thinking I have to break my first ever goal was to get a varsity jacket, which was like 1750, 5K it took. And so just keeping it in small chunks like that made it easy. So on the subject of sort of getting, getting it out of the mud, in a sense, um, Dylan, as, going back to last year, you were actually the NCAA 10K outdoor champion. Congrats on that race still. Um, can, and in, looking back on that field, you were actually a pretty big underdog, I'd say, when you have guys like Avdi Noor, Alex Mayer, Charles Hicks, all those Stanford guys. How Can you take us through like that, that outdoor season leading up to the 10K race and what it took to kind of get to that point where you were confident enough in your running ability to go out with those guys, pack up with the big dogs, and sort of kick to the finish? Yeah. So, I mean, in that indoor season, I like had some good times, and then I struggled at the national meet in the 5K because um, – I, like my mileage wasn't high enough for what I was trying to do at that level. I was running probably like 70 to 75 miles per week. And then going into outdoor, my main focus was like getting that mileage up to be able to handle the longer distance and handle the like pace that they're running at for as long as they are. So um, I kind of bumped up to 80, 85 for most of outdoor season. And with each race, I noticed I, I was like becoming more and more fit. So at first we had a 10K in California in like April. And I ran 28 flat, and I was really happy coming out of that. And then four weeks later, I had a nice training block, and I had a 3K versus Adrian Wildshut at our conference meet. And he was, like, obviously really good, one of the best in the country. And I was fortunate enough to beat him in that race. So it was kind of just baby steps that grew my confidence to be able to get to where it was at the national meet, which going to the national meet, I was ready to compete with anyone. My main thing is I saw what Abdi Nur did in indoor where he went with a K to go. And me and Carlson kind of just talked about that. It's with the K to go, be ready for the move and just like go with it, do whatever you can do. And obviously you talked about guys like um, Charles Hicks as well, Alex Meyer. I mean, they're incredible runners. So it's like, if you're going into that field, you have to know that you have to be at your best to win because you can't have an off day and still, and still win or be top five or anything. So um, I was really focused on kind of my own race and, and doing what I needed to do to be in the right position with a K to go. And fortunately I saw a nerd come out um, of the pack with a K to go kind of move to the front. And I just sat on him until the last 300, 200 meters. And when it was an all out sprint, but uh, 
yeah, it definitely was baby steps throughout that outdoor season, both increasing mileage and then confidence wise to get to that point where I was like, I believe I can actually do this and I can hang with them even though I'm not like expected to. Yeah. And so you seen, you also had a similar experience. You were the big 12 indoor 5k champion last year, taking down the big dog, Wesley Kip too. Um, how did that season shape up for you? And how, how was that race, especially getting the win and knowing that you had just kind of taken down a big opponent who you had sort of been, I'd assume to kind of been like hoping to take down at some point in your career. Yeah, that was, it kind of goes against what I said before, like about being super nervous on the line, but like, like when I have my best, my last race was a bad one. I'll be like that nervous. But when my last race was a good one, it's like, I went into the big 12, five K like, like, pretty much certain I was going to win just because Kipti's at a big disadvantage with no kick, like not as much of a kicker. I knew I could sit on him. I knew I was in really good shape and he ran a bunch of three K's that season. So that race, like I was just pretty confident I'd win. I wasn't really that nervous, but the DMR with Yared in the field, my goal wasn't like, I thought we could win. Like we had Cruz on the 12. He has a school record at Texas. Like he was a better mile than me. He is a better mile than me. Uh, he was on the 12. Creighton on the eight. He just set the NCAA lead. He's a beast. And Willington, he's running at UCLA. Now he split a 45 for us, which was awesome. And we basically expected me to get it in the lead. And then they were just like, hang on for at least fifth. And so I was like, I know I can beat everyone here except Yared. So my goal was just to maybe win but like i was like if i can split 351 or 350 like that'll be like a hard fart hard fought loss is what i was thinking while they were going around with the baton i was like honestly kind of hoping they drop it which is like bad that wouldn't happen <laughs> that wouldn't happen anymore but back then it was like a different yeah the nerves get you especially when like like he said about morgan mcdonald like yard set the 3k record like two weeks before that 738 and not like drew bosley's incredible 736 in a pro field yard basically ran the last mile solo you know what i mean so he was like no one thought he was touchable exactly yeah and so going back to stillwater uh, in, at oklahoma state for cross-country champs this year you know dylan you placed fourth and yasin way back in 30th obviously not the result you were looking for but um can you guys talk about um that your experience with that race and kind of what that meant for the team and what you guys had built over the course of that season and what stillwater was like in that whole experience yeah uh for the team i mean that was huge like making the national meet was i, I remember at the regional meet when we won the regional everyone was like ecstatic and it was kind of like i remember at one point i was like yo guys like we still got another week like we got a big race coming up next week like can't be too excited off this and they were like dude i don't think you understand like we've never like made it as a team like th this is different for us so i think like as a team it was like a huge uh like positive step that they kind of believed in the culture and everything that was going on with, with um, like Carlson coming in and the new transfers and new recruits coming in that like, this is where we're going to be from now on. You know what I mean? Um, and at the meet, I mean, it definitely wasn't our best day. We were hoping for more, but when the race was over, I feel like we kind of looked back as a team and we were like, even though this wasn't the best, we had a really strong season that we can like kind of look back on and be proud of. So, I mean, as a team, we were all just like super excited. I'd say this, the chemistry on the team that we have this year was one of the best I've had on any team. I mean, we, it, it was crazy. Like runs, we're laughing all the time, travel trips, having a blast. Like 
after practice, we're trying to hang out with each other. I mean, it, it, it was, it was wild. It was an incredible um, team environment. And I think that that showed in the races that we had throughout the season. And even though nationals wasn't the best as a team, we were all like super proud of, of everything that we accomplished. Yeah. As a, as a team in, in the first year, it's very hard to show up on the best day at the best time. Cause so much can go wrong. Like as a group, it's a lot about consistency and there just wasn't the time for that this year. Like Carlson got the job, like, I think three months before nationals. Uh, but for me individually, Dylan got into the team thing. Me individually, I mean, that was probably the only thing that went wrong with training, like being in Austin all the time. I draw my mileage really hard and we, there's just like miscommunication because that's what I've always done. And Carlson was like, after nationals, he's like, that was ridiculous that you did that. He's on my, he was on my head. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I cut my mileage like a ridiculous amount down to like 60 and then 30 the two weeks before, which is like big drop. And then the whole, the race itself, I mean, it was over before it started. Like, I remember my goal was to, they would always get on my head. Dylan and the guys would get on my head because I, what I do in races is I'll sit in like 10th and Dylan like sitting in like fourth or like fifth. So I'll always be like a meter behind him. And they're like, why don't you just fucking run with him? So I, mean, actually, I was like, at regionals, I tried it and I did kind of for like the last half or whatever. I ran with him like side by side. So nationals are like, no matter what, like these guys are on my fucking head. I'm running, like, I'm going to run with him. So the first K, if you watch it, like, I'm running with him. But I know, like, at 5K, I was, like, done. I was, like, okay, I'm just holding on. And people were just passing. I think 7 to 8K, like, 20, maybe 15 people passing. That was bad. But, yeah, I rallied. It's Carlson's big on you should not just be giving up because it's not, it's not your best day. And at Texas, I probably would have just quit. But, I mean, it's – very much about the team here so like my race was over at like 5k but i was just fighting for team points and stuff yeah. we we get on his head to to be by each other because it's easier i like our thought our thought process is it's easier to like run with a teammate you know what i mean like run next to each other but i'll say this you seen for like for real is one of the smartest racers that i've seen in the fact that he never tries to take the lead too early that's like, because with you seeing, he has like a lot of outward confidence, which is a good thing. You need that in running. But you would also expect someone who tries to like take the pace, drop a bunch of people, like think they can always do that. And he like is super against that in races, like sit, sits back, waits, believe, and like slowly moves up on you. And um, it's definitely worked for him. And I think once he kind of like gets that, like he already has that. And then once he's also able to like go out and run with someone that like next to him side by side. I mean, then it's going to be like a game over. It's going to be good luck. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's kind of more working because I think that'll benefit him in the long run. And as a team, we're all like, it'll, it'll benefit like both of us for team points. And so track and field is on my TikTok feed and cross country and all that. So when I'm scrolling through my For You page, you know, it'll occasionally come up. And there was a video, I, I don't know who posted it or maybe this is a bot account, but at the, at the regional, it, it was like, the text said something about like you guys running and talking to the other like p other distance guys about who was going to get first and win the race can you guys like speak to that it's like what what happened with that race it wasn't first it was prop of alabama had already gone and like the last k the race was basically over it was just me dylan and kirami from south alabama in second through fourth and so yeah dylan dylan started at first like you think like someone else. Dylan's the one who started talking. He was like, "Can you just take fourth? Well, can you just take fourth? And he and he was like, "Like sure, basically." We were just trying to make sure it was clear. Then he didn't take fourth. Karami, like I love him. We talk on Instagram all the time. 
him and Dylan tied for third. Nah, he, so since he was like basically like gonna make it as an individual, we were like, yo, like if you take fourth, we go two three, we get like the less team points. It'll help our team. So we're like, we're just talking with him. We're like, yo, let us go two. But uh, yeah, no, he he's he's a cool guy, really good racer. So um, that that was a fun little like kind of last four hundred. That's awesome, yeah. And so diving deeper into the Tennessee team culture that you guys have sort of alluded to in like recent like answering the questions, now that you guys are sort of more senior leaders on the team and that you guys are towards the front of the pack, I'd say, and you guys are sort of might be on the faster end of the group of guys you have there, what sort of qualities are you guys as leaders and what are, what are the things that you've, you've tried to enforce and the habits you've tried to build within the team that have worked and created such a good culture? So it's it's tough because obviously we're senior leaders but then one of the biggest things is that the guys who are already here like had to buy in to everything kind of without us they had to do that on their own because it's hard for us to come in and be like yo we gotta like stay on these rounds like do these workouts like well and everything and then just be like completely bought into it because they haven't done it before and we're just like coming in as new guys so i think the biggest thing early on was like they all bought in before we even got here and then once we got here it was kind of all just like, hey, our goal should be the national meet, should be the top 15, top 10, whatever it is at the national meet. And I think that's kind of where we came in as guys who have like been at the national meet. We were kind of able to give advice on stuff like that. Um, and we were able to give advice on what they should expect going into like bigger meets like that. Um, but they were definitely the ones who kind of started that shift in culture and started the whole like uh, – doing everything they can in the summer before to get ready for the fall, doing everything early fall to like prepare themselves for the, for these big needs. So I, I wouldn't say it's as much as like what we were able to do, but we were very fortunate with the guys that we came in uh, to as teammates. Um, you know, as we begin to wrap up, I want to ask you guys, what's one lesson or experience that you guys have learned over the, your running careers, call it collegiate running careers, um, you know, from the big meets, good days, the bad days, the grind, um, whatever it may be that you would, uh, advise your younger self? Well, what I've always said is like, if it was a tip to my younger self, I wouldn't say this one, but I'll say this one for like everyone else. Like the reason I'm here versus a lot of the more talented people who I ran with in high school and like early on in college is because um, good race or bad race, I keep doing the same stuff, the right things. That's what I said in the last video. But like, even though I do get nervous before races and even if I have a horrible performance, if I have a great performance, I'm doing the same thing the next day I'm running or whatever training like nothing changes and that's why i've like gotten this far i think but one thing that's more important for me personally if i could tell my younger self is there's no such thing as washed up like i'm like i'd be thinking that all the time like after i went 75 because people talk so much about you have it or you don't have it and for me it's always been if you do the right things then you'll get the output so like all between the 755 and 742 in my head, I've been a 75 guy. And I should be like, that's not patient. For me, I'd say I'd always tell my younger self, kind of like, just enjoy the people you're around right now and running. Like the process is, it's long. It's like hard. There's going to be, like you said, a lot of good days, a lot of bad days. And it's something where like, you don't always kind of get to enjoy it because you're focused so much on what you want to do and what you want to, like the goals you want to reach. But, um, Running in college and, and for a team, I mean, you don't have teammates like this. Whether If you're lucky enough to make a pro, you don't have teammates like that or like a cross-country season like that. And um, once you're done, it's kind of just a lot different. You're not waking up every day and going on runs with all your best friends. So it's um, definitely for me to just be like, 
enjoy the people you're with because like those are the memories that you're gonna remember and if you enjoy what you're doing you're gonna probably be better at it than if you don't so that i mean that's all the questions that we've got for you guys thank you guys for taking the time where can people where can the audience find you on the world wide web on the internet anywhere if you guys want to drop any plugs or anything like that instagram yasine abdullah y-a-s-e-e-n uh abdullah a-b-d-a-l-l-a and then on youtube i'm just yasine abdullah spelled the same way oh yeah dylan underscore jacobs 24 on instagram i'm starting <laughs> i'm starting to post more i'm starting to post more so there'll be more, more activity love that love that all right this has been the run fast podcast thank you so much to everyone for listening we should have the instagram brand new up and live and running very very soon miles is in charge of that so i'll leave that to him but um thank you guys for listening